You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Tonight's Bible reading is from Mark chapter 12, verse 13 to 17, and can be found on page 824 of the Pew Bibles. Later, they sent some Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you take the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed with him. Hey everyone, I'm live Tim, um, and I happen to be wearing exactly the same shirt as I was in that video, (laughs) but uh, I do have more than one shirt, um, I swear. Uh, I'd love you to have your Bibles open, uh, page 824, uh, if you're using the the Bibles in the seats in front of you, uh, because we want to sort of unpack this and have a think about what it means for our own lives together. Uh, So this Thursday uh, is a day associated with um, darkness and fear and evil. It's a day to uh, strike fear into the heart uh, of even the most courageous amongst us. Um, You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah? Tax returns are due, okay? Now, for some of you, that might be completely irrelevant. You think, I don't pay tax, what do I care? Um, For those of us who do, we kind of have a bit of a... um, Well, I don't know anyone who kind of loves paying tax. Uh, You might enjoy getting, you know, some cash back on your tax return. Uh, But I think, you know, for those of us who pay tax, it's one of those things that we sort of see as a little bit of a a necessary evil. Uh, You've got to do it because, you know, the government does need money for services and for infrastructure, that sort of thing. But we don't really love giving our money to the government. Uh, The attitude in Jesus' day to taxes was quite different. And the question that Jesus gets uh, confronted with is a question about tax and paying tax. Uh, And it was pretty controversial, as we'll see. This series that we're looking at at the moment is called Jesus Verses. And in this little section in Mark, one after the other, representatives of different religious groups who are around at the time, come to Jesus and they ask him a question. Uh, Last week, we saw Jesus confronted by chief priests, teachers of the law, and elders, who together were part of kind of the high court within Israel, and they were coming and confronting Jesus head-on, asking him, what authority do you have? Where is your authority from? And Jesus very skillfully uh, answered their question. Uh, So this time, uh, we see Jesus uh, confronted with a question which is a little more subtle uh, as the Pharisees and the Herodians come to him. Uh, Verse 13 is where our passage begins. Uh, 
Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. So this is a direct follow-up from the confrontation from last week. Uh, The they who are sending is presumably the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders. They've failed, and so this is sort of sending in the next wave of troops with a different and more subtle approach. Uh, Who are these people, right? They're mentioned as Herodians and Pharisees. It's worth us just thinking, you know, who are they? The Herodians are not mentioned very much in the Bible. In fact, it's only this passage and kind of a parallel in Matthew telling the same account, plus one other place at the start of Mark, in Mark chapter 3, where the Herodians are mentioned at all. Every time that they come up and they're mentioned, they're with the Pharisees. So they're kind of in cahoots, friends with the Pharisees. Um, And it's probable that they're not really a religious group as such, but it's just a way of referring to people who were supporters and officials and servants of Herod, Herod Antipas, who was the ruler up in Galilee, up in the north, where Jesus Jesus was actually from. Um, It's worth us thinking a little bit about um, Herod and who he was, because it's a bit confusing. There's a few Herods around, um, and it can be a little bit confusing about who's actually being spoken about. So there was a Herod around when Jesus was a baby. If you know the Christmas story, you know that you know the wise men come and they speak to Herod, and Herod wants to find this baby and kill him because he wants to be the only king who's around. Uh, and he actually does kill off some young boys uh, in Bethlehem in an attempt to get Jesus. Um, that Herod was Herod the Great, as he's often referred to in history. And he was the ruler over the whole of the area of Israel. He was very powerful. He built a number of things, including the temple. uh, And he's referred to as Herod the Great uh, because he was very, very powerful. Now, he had a number of sons. And after he died, three of those sons took over, ruling over different sections of Israel uh, where he was. So uh, three of his sons were Herod Antipas, who was ruling the purple sections, including Galilee. Uh, Herod Achaelus, he was ruling over the lime green section, which included Jerusalem and was kind of the best bit of the kingdom. And his third son was called Philip. (laughs) Historians sometimes refer to him as Herod Philip. Um, there's absolutely no evidence he was ever called Herod Philip in the David. I guess the historians feel, oh, poor old Philip, you know. He didn't get the Herod name. Maybe we should call him Herod Philip. Anyway, Philip, uh, the orange section uh, up there. Um, now, by the time Jesus was an adult and this story is taking place, the Romans have got fed up with uh, Herod Archelaus, who was in the lime green section, he got a bit big for his boots and they decided to kick him out and take direct rule, direct Roman rule over that section. Um, That had tax implications. That's important for our story. So just hold that in your head. So that's the Herodians. It's just a bunch of people who were associated uh, with Herod Antipas up in Galilee who were kind of his supporters and servants. The Pharisees... If you've been around church circles for a while, maybe you've been out at uh, St. John's Kids or the equivalent as you've been growing up, you know a bit about the Pharisees because they appear heaps of times throughout the stories of Jesus' life. 
Uh, Jesus is always sparring with them. They're always coming to him. He's always arguing with them. And it's for that reason we kind of see the Pharisees as the bad guys. It's a bit like, um, I don't know whether you've seen an old melodrama, you know, where there's like the baddie with the big moustache and he ties, the, he ties the girl to the train tracks and every time the baddie comes on stage, you're supposed to go, boo, hiss. Um, we kind of feel a bit like that with the Pharisees. So whenever they're mentioned, we're like, boo, hiss, you guys suck. Um, uh, we see them as kind of the uptight people who just want to keep the rules and not love people. Um, and that's the way we see them because we've read through all of these stories where they're sparring with Jesus. The trouble is, we think that people at the time of Jesus felt the same way. Uh, whenever the Pharisees had come, they'd be like, boo, hiss, we hate you. Actually, they were more like the heroes in the melodrama rather than the baddie. Um, these guys were people who were living really quality lives. They were living godly lives, trying to honour God, and they were doing it in a way which was opposed to the foreign powers like the Romans who were ruling over the land and who everyone did hate. So the Pharisees' main game was, we don't want to just give in to the way of life that the Romans are imposing on us. We want to stay true to God. We want to keep his laws we don't want to just accommodate to Greek and Roman culture and just give in and change the way that we live. So people respected that. People thought these guys were kind of heroes because they wanted to outlive these foreigners who had invaded them. They weren't kind of sort of violently trying to overthrow them, but they were saying, we want to bring God's kingdom in by how well we live, and we're dead serious about it, and we try really hard at it. And people respected that. That's kind of the reason that the Pharisees do clash heads with Jesus, because they think Jesus is undermining some of these rules that God has put in place, particularly the rule around the Sabbath day, the, the Jewish day of rest. Jesus is healing people on that day, and they feel like that's undermining God's rule about it. And that's part of the reason that they're clashing with Jesus, because they feel like, He's not serious enough in the way that he's treating God's law. So that's the Pharisees, that's the Herodians, that's kind of a bit of background about who they are. But what's clear when they come to Jesus is that they're trying to set him up. Okay, In the words of Admiral Akbar from Star Wars... It's a trap! It's a trap! You got that? It's a trap. Okay, right from the start... That's what this is all about. Verse 13, we're told they're trying to catch Jesus in his words. They want him to say something wrong so they can pounce on him. As soon as they start talking, what do they do? They flatter him. They say, teacher, we know that you, you're full of integrity. You're just going to speak the truth. You're not going to mince words. Um, and Jesus knows that they're hypocrites. He, he sees their hypocrisy, we're told. And he says to them, why are you trying to trap me? Um, so this whole thing is a setup. So what is the trap? What's the trap that they're trying to spring on Jesus here? Here's the question that they ask him. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar 
or not? Should we pay it or shouldn't we? Um, they're asking Jesus, is it, is it right? They mean, is it right in God's eyes? What's God's view of this? Should we pay this particular tax? Now, the tax that they're speaking about, the imperial tax there, is sometimes called a poll tax or a tribute, was a tax that the Romans had imposed on the Jews when they took direct rule over them. So when they kicked out this other Herod and they said, this is Roman rule now, they imposed this kind of rub your nose in it tax on them. It was a tax that said, you are subject people and therefore you must pay. It was paid sort of per head. Everyone had to contribute to it. Uh, it was also based on, on property as well. Roman citizens didn't have to pay it, just the people who had been conquered. So it was deeply offensive to Jewish people because it was the Romans going, we've, we've beaten you and you need to pay for it. Uh, when this tax was imposed in 6 AD, it was so offensive that the Jews actually rose up in rebellion and tried to violently overthrow the Romans. That's how opposed to paying this tax they were. They were led by a guy called Judas the Galilean. Um, and uh, a historian at the time, uh, Josephus, says this about Judas, sort of um, how he saw it. He called his fellow countrymen cowards for being willing to pay tribute to the Romans and for putting up with mortal masters in place of God. So this guy Judas was going, if you pay that tax... You're giving in to the Romans. You're just a puppet of the Romans. And what's more than that, you've rejected God. Pay the tax, you reject God as your ruler, and you just accept the Romans. Right? That's how serious this was in terms of the sort of either-or situation as Judas saw it. So this is political dynamite, right? They are throwing a grenade into Jesus and seeing how he's going to cope. They're putting him in a lose-lose situation. If Jesus says, yeah, you guys should pay the tax, then a whole bunch of really uh, zealous Jewish people are going to walk away from Jesus and not listen to him because they think Jesus is just a puppet for the Romans. He's just giving in and he's not actually um, honouring God if he thinks that we should pay the tax. But if Jesus says, no, you guys shouldn't pay the tax, then the Romans are going to come down hard on him because they're going to think he's, he's trying to get a rebellion going again here and he'll probably get arrested by the Romans. So they're setting him up in a situation where it's kind of lose-lose no matter which way he goes. So what's Jesus going to do? How's he going to get out of this one? Well, like last week, Jesus very skillfully evades the trap, and in the process, he lands some punches of his own. He doesn't answer their question straight away. The first thing he says is, bring me a coin, bring me a denarius so I can have a look at it. Now, does anyone have a denarius, by the way? When I asked this this morning, someone actually put their hand up, um, and oh, I've got one. This is, this is the real thing, actually. This coin is 2,000 years old. This is the genuine article. It is improbable but possible that this was the one that Jesus was actually holding, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's from the era. It's, uh, it's got um, Tiberius Caesar on it. Um, that's his real nose. Um, 
and it's, it's actually the real deal. So a denarius was a silver coin, it's made with real silver, and this was, this was a day's wages for a labourer. Um, you wouldn't want to lose it, would you, because it's, it's kind of tiny, but you'd work for a day, you'd get given one of these, and it was also, um, if you were going to pay that tribute tax, you had to pay it with a coin like this. There were other coins in use which weren't acceptable for the tax. This was the one that you had to use. And so Jesus asked the question, well, has someone got a coin? And then he says, um, well, whose, whose image is on it? Um, and the answer is, if you go, just go back to the um, previous one, Justin, um, they say, well, well, Caesar's image is on it. And Jesus said, whose inscription is on it? Uh, and you can kind of see it on the screen there, but you might not be able to translate Latin. <laughs> but the translation of those words around there is Tiberius Caesar, uh, son of the divine Augustus. Now, you might have missed it there, but Jesus just landed his first punch. You see, Jesus starts by saying, has anyone got a coin that they can bring me? Bring me a denarius. The implication is Jesus isn't carrying one. He doesn't have one. And it's hard for us to get our minds around this, but this was actually considered an idol. Just go with me on this. It's something that's made out of metal. It's made out of silver. It's got someone's face on it, an image on it. And the words around it basically are claiming that this person is the son of God. So really serious Jewish people would not have touched this with a barge pole. They wouldn't have carried it. They wouldn't have wanted to have anything to do with it because they considered this an idol, even having it. Uh, and so Jesus wrong-foots his opponents right from the start by saying someone got a coin and they produce one. He doesn't have one. And so right from the outset... His opponents have kind of put themselves offside with the really serious, uh, committed Jewish people because they're carrying an idol in their pocket and Jesus isn't. But then Jesus follows it up by saying these words. Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So they're trying to pull Jesus in one of two directions. You say yes or you say no, Jesus, and either way you're going to lose. But Jesus doesn't play the game. He said, well, whose face is on it? Caesar's? Why don't you give it back to him then? <laughs> it's got his face on it. Give it back to him. He's basically saying it's okay to pay the tax because this belongs to the authorities um, and it's okay to pay your tax to those who are ruling over you. Uh, he's kind of rejecting that view of Judas the Galilean, that if you pay the tax, you're automatically rejecting God's rule over you. But in the next sentence, he's also saying, but we have a responsibility to God as well. So give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, pay him in kind, give him his coin back, that's okay. But give to God what belongs to God. Now, what belongs to God? What does God own? Everything. <laughs> um, God's the creator. God made everything. So everything belongs to God, which means everything that we have comes from God and belongs to him. And 
should be given to him, in a sense in which we're not the real owners of it, but God is. But we can sharpen it even more than that if we think about this idea of the image. Whose image is on the coin? Caesar's. Give it back to him then. Where's God's image? God's image is there and there and there. The Bible says that human beings are made in the image of God. So when Jesus says, give to God what is God's, he's saying, give yourself to God. Give all of yourself to God. You are made in the image of God, so give yourself completely and utterly to God. So let's think through the implications of this for us living today, 2,000 years on, Australia, 2019. It's kind of two things that we need to think about. What are our responsibilities to those who govern us? And also, what are our responsibilities to God? Jesus' sort of short statement here, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, encourages us to be respectful to those who are in authority over us as well. As Christians living in a society, uh, we want to be good citizens. We should pay our taxes. We should obey the laws of the land in which we live. We should work positively and productively for the good of the society in which we're living. And actually, Jesus' very short statement here is unpacked in more detail in other parts of the New Testament, uh, the second half of the Bible. Uh, Paul does it in Romans 13, and Peter does it in 1 Peter chapter 2. Here's a couple of verses from what Paul says in Romans 13. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. Basically saying there are people who have a responsibility in governing in a place and we should be good citizens who uh, give them their dues, including our respect and our honour. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that the, the government does. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to speak out when you disagree. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to protest when you think that they're acting unfairly or unjustly or they're not acting on things that they should be. But all the time we're doing that from a basis of wanting to be uh, respectful and do the best for our society. We should be praying for those who rule over us as well. And we should be proactively engaging in conversation. If there's things that we disagree with, talk to our sort of politicians, talk to those who represent us and tell us what our views are. We can get into this kind of cycle, and, and Aussies are pretty good at this. We, we don't do the respect of authority very well. Uh, there's something in our sort of national psyche where we rebel against authority. We love chopping down the tall poppies. But you can get into a really unhealthy cycle where I'm going to disrespect my rulers, those in authority over me, and then those who are in authority, they don't really want to show respect back to us because we're disrespecting them, and it goes in this nasty spiral. 
Uh, Similarly, if we disengage, we don't sort of care about who our leaders are and we think, I'm just disinterested, then you get into a cycle where the leaders sort of think, well, they don't care what I do, so I can do whatever I like, which actually makes us feel more disengaged and, again, it spirals down. But the challenge here is for us to engage and to show respect and to think about what it means as Christian people to be good citizens for those in authority. We're a long way in democratic Australia from what these guys were experiencing under foreign imperial Roman rule. And so if Jesus and Paul and Peter can say, you know, give respect to those who are ruling over you, then it's a challenge, I think, for us uh, as Aussies to take that seriously. Uh, Just because we're followers of God doesn't mean that we reject earthly rulers, quite the opposite. The fact that we love and follow God means it should drive us to relate rightly to those who are in authority. But Jesus also tells us to give to God what is God's, and as we've seen, that that means giving ourselves uh, to God. That's a pretty big call if you think about giving back to God what belongs to God. Uh, And it's something that each of us needs to reflect on depending on where we're at with God today. Uh, You might be here exploring Christian faith. You're checking Jesus out, but you're not 100% sure whether this is what you should be doing. Um, You're wondering a bit about Jesus and he's teaching you, thinking, is this for me? And if I was to buy into this, what would it involve? Like, what, what does this mean for me to be a follower of Jesus? Well, Jesus sums it up pretty well here in terms of what's involved in following him. Giving to God what is God's. God is the creator. Everything belongs to him. Uh, And you need to acknowledge that everything you have comes from God. Uh, It means acknowledging you haven't always given God his due, that you've lived probably for yourself and haven't actually respected and honoured God in the way that you should have. And so asking for his forgiveness for that failure, knowing that you will receive it in full through Jesus. And it means actually offering yourself to God and saying to God, I want you to use me in your service from now on. Now, that's a huge step to take, but we believe it's the best step that you could possibly take. It's about reorientating your life under God and for God and making a decision that you're going to live for him from now on. Uh, If you're thinking about that, we would love to talk to you more about that. We'd love to talk to you about how good a life this is to live, living in that way. For those of us uh, who are Christians, it should challenge us as well about how we're going with this. How are we going at giving to God what belongs to God? How are we going at actually giving ourselves fully to God's service? What are the areas, perhaps, that we're holding back from God and we're not giving fully in his service? Sometimes at the end of our services, uh, we pray uh, this prayer, which is coming up on the screen. We're going to pray it at the end of the service today, so I'm giving you a bit of warning about that. The prayer goes like this. Father, talking to God, Father, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Now, I don't know what you think when you pray that prayer, but it's a pretty serious thing to pray. We're praying, really, that God would have what belongs to God, that he would have us, that we would live our lives sacrificially in his service as we go out. And we're asking that God would fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we can live for him and we can work for him as we go out so that he would receive the praise and the glory through our lives. It's a way of saying as we leave church, this isn't the sort of God business over for the week and now we can get on with life. Quite the opposite. We've just gathered together to encourage each other and now we're asking that God would help us go out and do it for him as we go to school, as we go to work, as we engage with our family and our friends and we go into our neighbourhood. We're like, God, we want to serve you through the whole week and we want to serve you with everything that we have. It's a way of giving to God what is God's. Our whole self as people made in his image, reflecting who he is and living it out. So I'm going to pray for us, and then at the end of my prayer, um, we're going to put this prayer up on the screen, and we're going to pray it together. Uh, And that'll be it uh, for our service today. We'd love you to stay around and have uh, supper and continue to chat together, Uh, but we're going to sort of use these words as a way of sending each other out to do this in the week that lies ahead. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your uh, great skill in answering this tricky question posed to you. And we ask that we would put into practice uh, your challenging teaching. Help us to be respectful of those who are in authority over us and to be good citizens as a way of honouring you and honouring them. Uh, And we do commit ourselves fully to your service and ask that we would give you your due, give to you what is already yours, uh, all that we have and all that we are in your service. So let's uh, pray this prayer together. Father, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice through Jesus Christ our Lord. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. 